This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. It's only if Jesus paid the price for the spiritually dead, and there's only one way he could do that, and that is dying the death of the spiritually dead. If he didn't do that, then somebody still has to do that for you to make it to heaven. Thank God he did. So he said, now he that ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. The point that Paul is making is very simply this. Jesus went from the lowest point to the highest point. From the lowest point of hell to the highest place in heaven. For what purpose? Well, back to verse 8. He gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. Jesus, from this highest point, after being in the lowest part of hell, went to the highest part, was raised to the highest part of heaven, where he gave gifts unto men. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The word and is not in verse 11. It's he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. It's a hyphenated word. Paul made up a word by the direction of the Holy Ghost to tell us the ministry gifts. Now, here's an area that's under much debate in our present day church. And really, it's just in the Word of Faith camp because the the Baptists don't have teachers. The Methodists don't have teachers. Pentecostals are really the only ones that have traveling teachers. And so there's a great desire on the part of some, those that are traveling teachers, to be a five-fold ministry gift. But Paul really speaks of four offices. Apostles, the word apostle means sent ones. Prophet, those that speak for God. Evangelists, those whose message is the good news of Jesus. Salvation only. Salvation only meaning that's their only message is salvation. And third, and fourth, the fourth office that he mentions is pastor-teachers. Now, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, is putting a great emphasis on teaching in the local church. We understand pastors are not church-wide in the sense that somebody is a pastor over the whole church body. That's Jesus. He's the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. We understand that pastors are for the local congregations. And notice the importance of the connection that he makes between teaching and the, and the pastor of the local church. Now, Paul is the one that wrote Romans. Paul is the one that wrote the first letter to the Corinthians. In Romans chapter 12, he talks about other gifts that are given unto men. He talks about other grace gifts or graces that are given unto to mankind, individuals, that equip them for service, to stand, in the, the, to stand in the place that God has for them in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, it says God set in the church and mentions apostles, prophets, Miracles, healings, gifts of healings, and um, uh, governments, diversities of tongues and helps and, and other things. So this is not a, 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 an all-inclusive or all-encompassing list that Paul gives us here in Ephesians chapter 4. We know that some people are given to exhortation. Some pastors are given to exhortation. They're exhorters. That means they're encouragers. You've got most of the bigger or the larger churches in America today are pastored by encouragers. We call them preachers, but they're, but they're really exhorters. 
The point is very simply this. If the church is going to grow, and that's Paul's whole point, if we're going to walk worthy of the vocation to which we're called, the life of God that we've been recreated by, we're going to have to grow spiritually. We're going to have to grow spiritually. That's his whole theme in chapter 4, is growing up spiritually. If you're going to grow spiritually, there's one thing that's going to do it, and only one thing, and that's the teaching of the Word. Another thing that he said writing to Timothy, Paul wrote, wrote to Timothy several years later, and he wrote um, about the office of bishop. He said, if anybody desires the office of a bishop, the word bishop means overseer. There's only one ministry office that that could correspond to, and that's pastor. He said, if anybody offers, uh, desires the office of a bishop, they desire a good thing. Then he mentioned certain qualifications. One of them is apt to teach. Apt to teach. Here's the second time that Paul says pastors should be able to teach. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that because somebody may not have a gift of teaching, they can't be a good pastor. Brother Hagin said one of the best pastors he ever knew in his ministry couldn't teach a lick. He was an exhorter, but he recognized the value of teaching, so he had a strong teaching uh, core of people in the church that could do the work. Well, that's fine. The, the important thing is the, the body of Christ has to have the word to mature. Nothing can take the place of that. Folks, we need to realize that when you're in trouble, you can rely on the work that God has given, the gifts that God has given to the church to help give you the information you need to be able to come out of your trouble. I think too many times we take things for granted. We just assume that because God's given somebody a gift, it's going to work whether or not. And that's not the way it works. I'm very much aware sometimes of a greater pull that people have on me and it draws things out of me that I didn't intend to say. And I've found that in most cases it's because somebody's really in trouble and they've really reached out to God. They're praying during the week, oh, Father, you've got to help me. Help me. Give me the answer that I need. Show me how I can get out of this problem. And then they'll come to church and something will come out of me that I had no intention of saying. And they'll come up afterward and say, Pastor Mike, I've been struggling so hard. And you said just the right thing. And they're thinking somehow that I had some kind of foreknowledge or some kind of special thing from God to give them their answer. Well, what was special is they called out to God and put a draw on what's given to the church. Verse 12, what did he give these gifts for? Verse 12, for the perfecting. The word perfecting means equip. Or the perfecting or the equipping of the saints. My job is to equip you. My job is not to do your job. My job is to equip you for what purpose? To do the work of the ministry. To do the work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Me? You. Well, Pastor Mike, how are we supposed to do that? I'm supposed to equip you to do it. Well, what's going to happen if you do the work of the ministry? The edifying of the body of Christ will result. The word edify means to build up. You know the reason why the church is in such a sorry state? Because the church body as a, as a whole is waiting for the pastor and the, and the ministers to do all the work. There are people that you can reach that will never come to hear me. There are people that you can reach and people you sit next to every day at work that will never turn on the TV to hear our program. The very fact that I am a pastor disqualifies a lot of people from ever being willing to hear what word I have to say. But they will listen to you because they know you. 
My job is to equip you so that you can reach them. What happens when you reach them? The body of Christ is built up. People are added to the Lord daily, such as should be saved. I think one of the greatest advantages, one of the greatest exercises of wisdom that God has ever done is when he's had men start churches rather than being called to take over churches. Because I was here before you were. I'm not subject to a church board. And some people freak out about that. Oh, well, church government, you need the pastor under the control of the church board. You know, that always works out real well, doesn't it? You've got a ministry gift controlled by laymen who don't want to do the work. They're, they think their job is to get the pastor to do all the work and the church will succeed. The church only succeeds in the way that God intended for it to do when the people do the work. I'm doing my job by equipping you. The question is, are you doing your job? That's what Paul started off with in verse 7. He says, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Notice he said every one of us. He didn't say only those that are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He said every one of us is given a place in the body of Christ. Well, what's your place? Well, if it's not one of the four offices that he mentioned in verse 11, then it must be to be perfected or equipped to do the work of the ministry. So that the church is built up. Folks, I've got the greatest job in the world. My job is to equip you to do the work. And you've got the greatest job in the world because there's nothing like reaching somebody with the good news of Jesus. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. How long are we supposed to do this? Verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. Now I want you to notice in verse 3. He said we're supposed to work hard to keep the unity of the spirit. In the bond of peace. Now in verse 13 he says. These ministry gifts will operate in the way that it's described. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. When is that? When we stand before Jesus. See I'm not going to be a pastor in heaven. There won't be any apostles in heaven. There will be people that were apostles. But nobody's going to be an apostle in heaven. Nobody's going to be a prophet in heaven. Nobody's going to be an evangelist in heaven. Who would you get saved in heaven? Nobody's going to be a pastor and or a teacher in heaven. Those are ministry gifts that are given here. The function of the church or the body of Christ or the family of God will change dramatically when we get to heaven. There'll be a whole new purpose. I don't even have any idea what that purpose is going to be. But the Bible says it will take ages for God to show us. 
But these things are going to operate for as long as the church is, is, is in operation here on the earth till we all come to the unity of the faith. That will take place when we stand before Jesus. And then those things that we wondered about, we'll see, we'll see them clearly and say, oh, wow, that was simple. We should have seen that all along. Things that we were wrong about, we'll say, Lord, we were wrong. We Forgive us. Our, our hearts were right, but our heads were wrong. Things we didn't know will be known. Things that we thought we knew and were wrong about will be corrected when we stand before Jesus and we see as we are seen and know him as he knows us. So what's he saying? He's saying these gifts are given for this present age. Now some people say that there's no more apostles today. If that's the case, then Peter, uh, then Paul didn't know that when the Holy Ghost inspired him to write. Or I guess we could say the Holy Ghost was wrong. Which means there are apostles today, there are prophets today, there are evangelists today, and certainly there are pastors and teachers today. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, what's going to cause that? And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, the word perfect means mature or wholehearted man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I believe also that that means that that's not going to take place until we stand before Jesus and receive our redeemed bodies. But that doesn't mean we can't strive to be closer and closer to that every day of our lives, does it? And what's going to bring that about? The knowledge of the Son of God. Where are we going to gain that knowledge? Through the Word. Through the Word. Notice the place that the Word holds in maturing, spiritual maturity. It's the only thing that Paul identifies as bringing us to spiritual maturity. Now, there are other important things. Surely, as we said, prayer is a wonderful thing. It's wonderfully important. It's communicating with God. But it doesn't say it makes you more mature. Does that mean we ought to forget that? Certainly not. And the guy that's writing this, remember Paul said to the Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And Paul is the one that understood what speaking in tongues was about. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He knew that he was communicating with God all the time that he was speaking in tongues. But Paul never says speaking in tongues will cause you to grow up or mature in Christ. Never. What does? The knowledge of the word. The knowledge of Jesus through the word. Till we all come into the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God under a perfect or a mature man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that, here's what that growth process, that maturity process is supposed to do. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The first thing. The major thing that he identifies that spiritual maturity does will bring is that it brings stability into your life. It makes you stable. It makes you stable. Let me read to you a verse in Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah 33 verse 6. The Old Testament says something about this that's real important. Isaiah 33 verse 6. Listen to this. It says, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of, and strength of salvation. Wisdom and knowledge is your stability in the times that you live in and the strength of your salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So notice that Paul is talking about 
the place that the Word of God holds in making you mature, bringing you into spiritual maturity. Because Paul doesn't want you, and he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this, we could say the Holy Ghost doesn't want you carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now notice it doesn't say carried about with every wind of religious doctrine. See, there's a lot of wrong doctrines in the world. A lot of political doctrines that people are carried away by. A lot of social doctrines that people are carried away by. What holds us steady? There's only one thing, and that's the knowledge of the word. That would be no be, be henceforth no more children. The word children means one not able to speak. It means young child. One not able to speak. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby the lion wait to deceive. These wrong doctrines that are out there, whether they're political doctrines, social doctrines, or religious wrong doctrines, what's the source or the cause behind them all? Somebody's trying to gain. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, here's the answer, here's the work of the church, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, all things, all things. That means political things, doesn't it? That means social things, doesn't it? All things is all things. But speaking the truth in love, you can't speak the truth if you don't know the truth. If you don't have the knowledge of the word, you can't speak it, you can't stand upon it, you can't exercise your faith toward it, can you? But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, there's, a, there's an interesting thing about this word speaking because it does not just mean talk. It does not just mean your voice. This word speaking means to deal with. It includes speaking, but it means to live the truth. Not just talk the truth, not just speak the word, not just have the right confession. It means to live the truth. The key to maturity is not just say the right things, but live the truth in love. Now, the fact that he says that we should speak or live, deal with the word, or live the word in truth, or live the truth in love, indicates to us that you can live the truth and not be operating in love. That won't work. But you got a lot of people that seem to be trying to do that. And did you notice that this whole thing is about unity? Did you notice that everything about the work of the church is unity? Think about it like this. How many times do we see people that pull away and they go their own direction, they pull away from churches and they isolate themselves and they start feeding on the word? What's their motivation behind that? I've never seen a situation yet that somebody didn't think themselves more spiritually mature than everybody else when they took that route. In other words, they think disunity, separation, isolation is the way to spiritual maturity. Paul's saying otherwise. Paul's saying the highest place of spiritual maturity is right in the middle of, right in the middle of other believers. Right in the middle of other believers. Now, where are those other believers going to be? They're going to be at different levels on the, on the scale. Some are going to be mature too. Some are going to be immature. Some are going to be dominated by their flesh. Some are going to be sincere but keep stumbling. 
Some are going to be what the mature ones call hypocrites. Yet the key to spiritual maturity is to grow in God right in the middle of everybody else's problems. Not separated or isolated. Not fed up with the church. The popular saying is, I'm not a fan of organized religion. I'm not a fan of organized religion either, but I am a fan of Christianity. Which means you've got to be a fan of the church. Because the church is what God established. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. Speaking the truth in love. Again, I like the fact that the word means living the truth. Living the truth in love may grow up into him. Living the truth in love may grow up into him. In all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom, verse 16, we'll stop here. Verse 16, from whom, from Jesus, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. What does that mean? Well, the Bible is just talked about as being like a body. God gave gifts unto men to equip the body. The body is made up of bones. How do bones join together? How do bones connect to one another? A bone doesn't connect to another bone. It has to have a joint in between. What's the joint? The joint of the gifts that he gave to men in verse 11. In other words, he's saying the work of the ministry gifts identified in verse 11 is what joins the body of Christ together so that everybody is able to work effectively in the manner in which God designed for them to operate. It comes from the supply of the joints to connect the bones so that the body works right. Can you see what he's saying? Paul's saying this is how the church fits together. From whom, from Jesus, or through him, the whole body fitly joined together. God knows what he's doing when he made you the way that he made you. He knew what he was doing when he gave you the gift that he gave you to to operate in. That gift doesn't work independently of everybody else. It works with others through the working of the connecting of the joints. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Compacted means it ties us together. It literally means to force together. In other words, the work of the church is to bring people together, not separate them. The work of spiritual maturity is to draw you closer together with other believers, not further away. Anybody that's growing and maturing in God is getting closer to other believers, not further away. No matter what they seem to claim or think. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint or ministry gift supplies. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Every part. That means your part and my part together. Effectual working of every part making increase of the body. The way the body increases is you do your part and I do my part. What's my part? To equip you. What's your part? To do the work of the ministry. To reach others. What happens? Making increase of the body in the edifying unto the edifying of itself. Notice the last two words. In love. In love. Now folks, I want you to understand what God's attitude about this is. God's attitude is the church is supposed to draw in closer and closer and closer to one another. That we're going to be ruled by peace and operating in love. 
as we become a tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter knit group of people. That's God's intent. That's God's plan for his family. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are unconcerned when your kids fight? You don't want your kids fighting, do you? Especially if it becomes a major issue and it becomes a protracted thing. There are families that are split up all over the country. Families that won't get together on holidays. Families that won't get together in fellowship with one another because this one did that to somebody else and things become a mess. Maybe money issues, maybe relationship issues, maybe lifestyle issues, maybe anything or everything that you can think of. But we all get concerned when our family members don't get along. Where do you think we get that from? Where do you think we get that from? Somebody might say, well, it's just, it's just a part of the way we're made. Well, who made you? If we're that way, how do you think God feels about it? How do you think God feels when his family is at war with, with other family members? Especially when you see that God's intent is to bring everybody closer together, tighter and tighter and tighter. The work of the ministry, gifts, is to, supposed to, to bring us tight, more tightly knit together than anything else so that we can work together. Any of you ever had a dislocated bone? It doesn't work real well, does it? Because it's dislocated. It's pulled out of its place. I believe one of the things that's going to happen in the last days with at least part of the church, maybe not the church world as a whole, but at least part of the church is that the church is going to start working together, at least in a measure of what God intended for us to do. You see some of the greatest successes in the book of Acts before they started fighting among themselves. Once that took place, a lot of the signs and wonders and miracles stopped. This is the key to spiritual maturity, to live the truth in love. That's what the world's going to see that separates us from, the, from them. That's the way the, church, the world is going to see Jesus in the church. It's the only way. Let's all stand together. I want to encourage you to do something this week that might be a little different. And that is, I want you to consider yourself on assignment to find somebody this week that you can be a blessing to. To find somebody this week that you can do the ministry, the work of the ministry for. Maybe something big, maybe getting somebody saved, maybe something little, just helping them out in some way that, that only you and they know about. I don't know. doesn't matter to me what it is. But find something with someone that you can do the work of God for. Will you do that? I promise you, if you will, next week will be different. You'll be different. You'll start establishing a pattern that you'll never want to break. The Word of God tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to live like God's Word is true. Train yourself so that no matter what happens in life, your first question is, what does the Bible say about this? Then do what it says and watch the blessings of God come to pass. 
Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. We want to do the things that we think of as being glorifying to God. But the Bible says that the thing that glorifies God the most is our exercising victory over the devil because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.